Welcome to the weekly sermon from Generations Church. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Scott and Melissa Hale. I encourage you to sing along, sing loudly, clap, you know, dance. Dance like no one's watching because you don't have anyone next to you watching you except for your family. So uh, that sounds good. All right, let's get, a, let's get started this morning. We're going to praise and worship our Heavenly Father. worship our King, and come let us bow at His feet, He has done great things, and see what our Savior has done, see how His love overcome, He has done great things, He has done great things. You conquered the grave You free every captive And break every chain Oh God, you have done great things We dance in your freedom Awake and alive Oh Jesus, our Savior Your name lifted high Oh God, you have done great Our Savior, 
times in the bad, he's always there for us to pick us up when we fall. So let's just praise him this morning some more. Raise our hallelujah. And I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. And I raise a hallelujah. Louder than the unbelief, and I raise a hallelujah. My weapon is a melody, and I raise a hallelujah. Heaven comes to fight for me.
Hallelujah. Good morning. Good morning. All right. Welcome Generations Church to Generations Live Online, live streaming once again. Uh, we are so grateful that you are joining us like this this morning and inviting us into your homes, to wherever you're, where, wherever you're at. Uh, hopefully you're just sitting there nice and relaxed. You got your cup of coffee, got your Bible ready to go. Hey, just a reminder also, towards the end of this service, we're going to be taking communion together. So hopefully um, you got some, some little bread you can set out there for you and your family, some juice. If you got some juice, if you don't have juice, Jesus turned water into wine. You can use water, whatever you need to use. It's, it's that act of faith that we're going to be doing together towards the end of this service. It's going to be good. Um, we're very excited uh, to be with you today. We're excited to be starting a brand new series today. I'm excited about that. Uh, I had a word that I just wanted to say, this one word. It was, a, it was a word I felt like the Holy Spirit gave me this morning, and the word is presence. Presence. What do I mean by presence? Presence in that, number one, God is present with you. Amen. He's present with you right now, at this very moment, sitting there in your living room, in your kitchen, around the table, wherever you're at, on your phone, He is present with you. And so I want you to 
know that, to really know that, and, and, and to enjoy that presence of God with you. And the second thing that that word presence means to me is you are present. I want you to be present right now in this time. It's, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of, ha- we're having church, as they say. Be present right now. Avoid the temptation right now to multitask. I'm just going to tell you, right now you got like this on here, and then on the other screen you've got the news. Just go ahead and shut that down, right? Over here you're like scrambling some eggs. Just go finish them up and then sit down. Sit down, get your Bible. Be present for this because we are going to talk about Jesus today, and Jesus is here with us today. So being present, God is present, you be present. Amen. Hallelujah. So good morning. Hey, good morning. How are you doing? Great. All right. All How right. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing okay. Yeah. So just warning, our children are here in this That's true. building. They could so run across the stage at any moment. You see someone small and in their pajamas, just don't worry about that. Asking for my phone? It'll that, be fine. That'd be about right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, over the next month or two, we are going to be spending some time looking at the words of the greatest preacher, the greatest teacher who has ever lived, and that is Jesus. We're going to spend some time with Jesus. Is there anybody better to be with right now than Jesus? Um, So we're going to dive deep into what is, in Scripture, the first recorded message that Jesus gave in Scripture 2,000 years ago that he gave to his followers. And, you know, I think he was very aware 2,000 years ago that we were going to need this today in March of 2020. (laughs) He he might not have been preaching to us, but he was preaching for us. And so we, these words are so, are going to be, these have been such a blessing to me just over this past week or so, just letting them, letting Jesus speak to me. And I, I pray today that you are, feel blessed by the words of Jesus today. Amen. We are, we're going to be talking about what they call the Sermon on the Mount. Sermon on the Mount. And this is so good because we need more of Jesus. Do you need more of Jesus? Yes, I need I do. more of Jesus. I need more of his words. I need more of his presence. I need more of the revelation of his spirit. It is sustaining. It is life. And so mm. we're going to talk about that. And the good thing about Jesus, his words always bring us freedom. Now, his words are not always easy. Mm-mm. Don't make the mistake <laughs> that Jesus says beautiful, fla- they're beautiful. But some of it's beautiful truth and some of it is really hard truth. But That's it good. makes us Free. And we're diving into that today. But let's get a little background okay. to the Sermon on the Mount. Um, and in the Sermon on the Mount is recorded in Matthew, in the, in the Gospel of Matthew. And let's go a little bit before it starts. In chapters 3 and 4 of Matthew, we learn a little backstory to Jesus. We, of course, learn, learn his lineage, and we learn how he was born, and how he fulfills the Old Testament promises and prophecies and and we know a little bit about him growing up but the main thing is he's baptized by john the baptist right the holy spirit descends like a dove and the voice of the lord says this is my beloved son so people know this is a very different kind of a baptism happening right now something is special and then of course um he spends 40 days in the wilderness being tempted but does he succumb No, he does not. And then after that, he begins his ministry. And he starts his earthly ministry in a village called Capernaum, 
which is a fishing village on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. So he's quite a bit outside of the bustling uh, city center of Jerusalem. He yeah. is on the outskirts in the farmlands, and he's in Galilee, where all the, the people who work really hard, right, they're there. And um, he assembles a merry band of disciples. <laughs> he grabs fishermen and tax collectors, and he says, follow me. And so he has his disciples. And now let's read in Matthew chapter 4, verses 23 through 25. It's up on our screen. I'll read it, or I'll just read it out of my Bible. It says, Jesus ministered from place to place throughout all the province of Galilee. He taught in the synagogues, preaching the hope of the kingdom realm and healing every kind of sickness and disease among the people. I'm reading out of the Passion Translation. What you're seeing is probably NIV. It's all good. His fame spread everywhere, and many people who were in pain and suffering with uh, every kind of illness were brought to Jesus for their healing. Epileptics, paralytics, those tormented by demonic powers were all set free. Everyone who was brought to Jesus was healed, and this resulted in massive crowds of people following him, including people from Galilee, Jerusalem, Judah, the region of the Decapolis, and beyond the Jordan River. So what we know is Jesus does these three things all the time. He teaches in the synagogues, he preaches the good news everywhere he goes, and he heals every kind of sickness. Mm. And of course, what does this do? This makes quite a crowd follow him. And this is the scene that we get that day in Matthew chapter 5 when Jesus takes his disciples, he sees the crowd, he sits down, and he begins teaching on that hillside a mind-blowing, revolutionary message. Mm, it is. The, the actual Sermon on the Mount uh, takes place over chap Matthew's, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. We're just going to dive into the very intro today. But it, it, I'm telling you what, this message is not, Jesus is not just giving a series of moral teachings or like nice ideas to follow. What he is delivering here is basically Jesus' manifesto of the kingdom. He is unleashing it on the world. This is his manifesto. It is his magnum opus. It is beautiful. And uh, he's talking about the kingdom of God. That is really what Jesus was preaching the whole time he was here, talking about the kingdom of God. And this is the big one. It's amazing for me because months ago, the Holy Spirit was nudging us to teach about this, this passage, the, the Sermon on the Mount. Of course, this was way before we had any idea what was going to be going on in our entire planet right now. But I think these scriptures, the, uh, as we have been studying and meditating on them, they feel more relevant to me than I even imagined they possibly could. It, it's, it's truly, it, here in the midst of this global pandemic that we are in, folks stuck in their homes, unable to be together, to have that togetherness, you know, of, of other brothers and sisters that we crave so much. Now is our chance. I just want to encourage you. This is our chance to lean in. Lean into that presence of God. Be present and lean into the presence of God who is right there with you, right now, right where you're sitting. He's closer than a friend. He's closer than your spouse. He's closer than a parent or a child. He is God, your Father, and he's right there with you, and he loves you, and I think he's got something, his spirit has something very, very important to say to us today. So if you were to sum up the teaching of Jesus, if I gave you, if you had two words to sum up what Jesus taught, a lot of people would probably say good news, good news. right? 
Good news. That's even what Matthew 4 said. He went around preaching good news. And the, the thing about the good news is the good news is something. Mm-hmm. The good news that Jesus always talked about, what the good news was, was about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. And he used the phrase, he was always trying to help us understand, I know you're here, but there is a realm that I want you to experience, and it's called the kingdom of heaven. Right. And it's like this, and it looks like this. And so Jesus, when he goes up on that mountain, he lays down the framework for what the kingdom of heaven is like and what citizens of the kingdom of heaven look like. And it's so cool. And so just for us, let's define the kingdom of heaven like this. And you can say kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, same thing. The kingdom of God is God's rule and reign Hmm. over all things. That's a beautiful thing. His rule and reign. And there's a lot of scriptures that point to this. There's Hmm. scriptures that say the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and they that dwell therein. So we know that God is creator, God is ruler, and he rules and reigns over all things. Hmm. But there Hmm. are other kingdoms in this world. Right kingdoms that come against the kingdom of God. And because God loves us, and love is a show of honor, right? It's not a show of force. He doesn't force anybody to do anything. Because God loves us with an honorable love, he lets people choose what kingdom they will belong to. And Jesus comes and says, hey, you're in this kingdom where the Romans are in charge right now, and where your people are being stolen from, their ancestry land, but I'm going to tell you about a kingdom that's even more real and more beautiful. Mm. And this is the story Jesus tells. Of course, the kingdoms of this world, the kingdoms that they were used to, what do the rulers do? They crave power. They subjugate Mm. others to have their way. And your value is only based on your output. And if you're not outputting enough, you're not going to thrive in that kingdom, right? Mm. It's hierarchy. It's social status. It's get ahead. It's cutthroat. Mm. This is the kingdoms of the world. And then Jesus comes and he says, I have a different kingdom. And it looks like this. It looks like love. Mm. It looks like servanthood. It looks like the first shall be last and the last shall be first. What? (laughs) What, Jesus? What are you saying? It looks like the greatest is the least. And the least is the greatest. And it looks like laying down your life for someone else. And Jesus unleashes a description of citizenship to this kingdom. This is completely countercultural to their life experience, right? And it includes a standard of living where Jesus raises the bar so high, even the Ten Commandments can't get there. Mm. He lifts the bar higher than the Ten Commandments. He talks about, you know, you need to love your enemy. You need to pray for those who persecute you. You need to give to the needy, not judge others. Don't be worried. He's telling us to not be worried. I might die later. Hmm. He's telling you, don't be worried. He's saying, store up treasures in heaven. I, I, I can imagine them looking at each other and going, what does that mean? <laughs> what does it mean? Store up <laughs> treasures in heaven. What is he talking about? And he tells them, you can trust the authority of the king of this kingdom. Wow. And he is the king of the kingdom. It's coming from the mouth of God himself. That is powerful. So when we get into the sermon, what you're going to notice is a couple of things. Number one, there's two groups of people here. 
There's two groups of people identified. There's the committed that Jesus is preaching to, and then there's the crowd. There's the committed and there's the curious here. And uh, the way Jesus is teaching, he's teaching his disciples, actually. But we see here that he's, he's brilliant about this because he's teaching his disciples in a way that allows the curious to kind of come up and eavesdrop and to listen. Because how else are these folks going to decide whether they want in on this Jesus journey, right? Unless they're listening in. And so uh, you might be sitting there today and you might, be, you might recognize yourself in one of those kind of groups. Maybe you consider yourself the committed. You're a disciple. Or maybe you consider yourself, you're just kind of curious. You're just a crowd. You're just kind of hanging back, you're, you're seeing what this Jesus thing is all about. That's great, because that is what Jesus wants. He is talking to the committed, but he's also talking to the, 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 the curious. And, you know, really, that's what church should be on Sunday morning. That's what we do at church. We have the committed in here. We come together to, to challenge each other and to celebrate and to learn about Jesus and to encourage one another. And then we also welcome the curious. We welcome the, the sinners, saints, and seekers, you know, all to come in here to, to learn more about Jesus. Jesus, to find out what he's all about and what this life of Christ is all about. I think this sermon also reminds us Christians. Christians, let me talk to you for a second. Just lean in for a second. Uh, this reminds us of an important thing. What Jesus is speaking here, this, the, the life that he's calling us to live, he's speaking to disciples. He's talking to the committed here. And so his call to live by a, a kingdom standard, it is for kingdom citizens. The Jesus ethic is the call for Jesus followers, right? So <clears throat> now, of course, what we do every day should be inviting people to come across those immigration lines. Come on over, be, you know, join the kingdom. Let Jesus be your king. Let him be your Lord. But what Jesus does is free us up, us Christians. He frees us up from trying to make non-Christians behave more Christianly, right? That's not the goal. We don't need to make the world try to act more Christian just to, what, make us feel more comfortable? That's not the Christ-like way. It's not the Christ, it's not his way. Um, asking Christians to just behave like we want them to is not the Jesus approach, and it really doesn't do our non-Christian friends any good because Jesus is all about change from the inside out. He's all about change from the inside out. He's not about, you know, clean up the cup and make, you know, look better and just act better, and then you're in. That's not the point at all. It's when he transforms us from the inside out, then that we have this desire, we have this new desire to reflect that in the way we live. So that's really important. Jesus is clear. What he's teaching in this Sermon on the Mount, we, we need to make sure we understand. This is to us, his followers, the children of God, how we're to live. I think it's also really interesting in this, notice where Jesus physically positions himself for this sermon. Where is he? On a mountain. He's on a mountainside, right? Which his Jewish listeners, his Jewish observers, would have immediately brought to mind Moses, the, you know, the first lawgiver, the one who came down from the mountain to, to deliver the law from, you know, in Exodus. And so Jesus, what is going on here? This new Moses or something? I'll tell you what's going on, Scott. Tell no, us, Matthew. I'll tell you. So Matthew, his, he's writing this for Jews. He's, this book was written, that was his audience, right? Mm. For all of us, but that was his audience. And so he is making an intentional parallel, highlighting this part because this is true. He wants to show how Jesus is the new Moses. So Moses arrived on the scene after 400 years of silence, right? Okay. The people, the, the, the Hebrew children had been in slavery. 
they had been crying out for a deliverer, 400 years waiting, and then wow. Moses is born. And of course, what happens? The rulers sense something's happening. They're like, let's kill all the baby boys. But Moses makes it through, rises up, and becomes the mouthpiece of God, the deliverer of his people, stands on a mountain, gets revelation, new revelation from the Lord to teach people what it looks like to be a part of a different kingdom. And so Jesus comes and is born after 400 years of silence. Come on. This is how the New Testament begins. There has not been a prophet to speak for God for 400 years. Mm. Jesus is born, and what is... What did Herod want? Kill the, kill, kill, the kill the babies. I'm sensing a threat to my power in my throne, but Jesus doesn't. And so we're, because of that, Moses comes out of Egypt, and where does Jesus come out of? Mm. Jesus comes out of Egypt, That's right? True. I mean, so many cool parallels. And then, of course, Jesus is standing on a mountain in front of people, and he has a fresh revelation from God, not only because he's the mouthpiece of God and the chosen deliverer, because he is the Messiah. And wow. here's the difference. He's not just a new Moses. He is the new and better Moses. Right. He is the promised king. He is not only talking about the revelation of the kingdom of God, he is the king of that kingdom. So amazing and so cool. <laughs> That's really but it, And here's how Jesus is so different. So Jesus doesn't bring more commands he doesn't start with more commands. I mean, these people had already been beaten up with over 600 commands. They couldn't follow anyway. Right. They couldn't even follow them. They failed miserably. Jesus doesn't start with commands. He instead starts with blessings. Wow. So uh, to this morning, we're only going to get into the first two of these blessings. They're, these are known as the Beatitudes. And uh, if the Sermon on the Mount is, you know, this, this mighty announcement of Jesus, uh, his, his magnum opus, the Beatitudes are kind of like the preamble. They're the preamble to this huge statement that he's making. So we're going to dive right in. We're in Matthew chapter 5. If you have your Bible, turn there. Um, uh, hopefully you, have, you can look along with us. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. Here we go in the first verse. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds... He went up on a mountainside, <laughs> there we go, and sat down, and his disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. So this is right, this is how it begins. This is the opening lines, we're fixing to finally hear uh, a sermon from Jesus in the Bible. And it's, notice it's directed to the disciples, but the whole crowd's there kind of listening in, and, and he's speaking from that mountainside like he is, you know, this, this really important person about to declare something that's about to change everything. So here he goes. Verse 3, he said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor. I mean, get this. The first word out of his mouth is the word blessed. Blessed. It's this Greek word, makarios. And it's a really important word, and we could kind of uh, misunderstand it it's, if, if we weren't careful because like today, if, if someone says blessed to you, like, you know, if you saw a neighbor on the street and you said, hey, and he said, hey, be blessed, you might think, oh, he might be a Christian, right? Or, or, some, you know, or at least religious or something. Well, in Jesus' day, the word could have religious overtones, but it was a, a word that was commonly used. And <clears throat> the word blessed for them, 
It meant, a, a better word might be, we would say, lucky or fortunate or blissful, just uh, well-off, wealthy even, um, because it's a word that would have been immediately associated with wealth, that, oh, you're kind of, you, you're one of those people, just everything works out for you. You're wealthy, your business is doing good, you got a lot of sheep or whatever it is, you know. Uh, you know, you, you, everything's going good for you. And they would have associated that, yes, with the favor of God, that you must have the favor of God on you. And this precedent was set in the Psalms and the Proverbs. Right. Uh, there's a lot of blessed are that blah, 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 blah. Right. But it would have, it would have definitely immediately had the connotation that you're wealthy, you're well off. And so right out of the gates, Jesus is immediately flipping this picture of culture and who is wealthy and who is blessed and lucky, who he flips it all upside down. Which brings us to the next phrase, the poor in spirit. The poor in spirit is such a fascinating phrase. As far as we can tell, this is the only place in the, the Bible this exact phrase is used, poor in spirit. And so a lot of people have different ideas about it. It's much debated. Uh, first of all, who are the poor in spirit? First of all, this is not something Jesus is telling us that everyone should aspire to. Like, well, I need, I need to be, let's all be poor in spirit. He's not saying strive for spiritual poverty. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is something subtle but very important. He's saying, he's not, he's not giving us something to strive for. He's, he's telling us reality is what he's telling us. He's saying, without me, you are poor in spirit. Every single one of us are poor in spirit. And the gospel is, Jesus says, here's the good news. If you are aware of this, I've got good news for you, right? Because if you can identify with this, then I've got good news for you. This, this is the kingdom. The kingdom is for you. You're the kind of person it's for. Now, if you can't identify with this, Jesus would say, you know, if, if you're like, well, no, I'm rich, I'm, I'm healthy, I'm wealthy, I don't need anything spiritually, I'm all good, I'm a good person, Jesus is like, I don't really have good news for you. Um, by the way, like Mel was saying, uh, Matthew says the kingdom of heaven. Yours is the kingdom of heaven. He's not talking about the afterlife. He's talking about the kingdom of God. The other gospel writers all would use the phrase kingdom of God. Matthew, each of the gospel writers have their own purpose and their own audience. And Matthew's very sensitive to the, the sensitivities of his Jewish readers who uh, don't like to use the name God. And so uh, wherever they would normally say the kingdom of God, he says kingdom of heaven there, because they're reluctant to use the name of God. There we go. So this is so amazing, this, this first blessing, the poor in spirit. And I sort of, I like to think about it in two phases. There is, there is what you hear on the mountainside mm. when it's the first time you've ever heard anything, because this is, this is gospel to us. This is all a part of the gospel of Jesus. But for them, it's almost like pre-gospel because they don't know the rest of the story. Mm. They don't know there's going to be uh, more teaching mm. and a death and a burial and a resurrection and new life. They don't even know that yet. This is the first taste, the first foreshadowing of our desperate need and how Jesus is going to meet that need. Mm. So beautiful. And so on the mountain... I can imagine when they heard, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. All of them felt, I am poor in spirit. Yeah. I need that kingdom. I have lack. I have sin. I have shame. And isn't this all of us when we meet Jesus? Mm -hmm. We meet the grandeur and the beauty and the love of our Savior, and we go, ugh, I 
have nothing to offer you, and yet you love me? It can't be good enough. Yet you want to now take this poor spirit that I have and give me your spirit, which is abundant and beautiful and full of life and power? I mean, it's an unfair exchange. (laughs) It's a beautiful exchange. It's a beautiful exchange. And so on the mountain, they're hearing this, and it is amazing news. And I love how it says theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus is also saying this before he can even say it yet, because they're newbies. You can't unpack everything. They can't handle the truth. They can't handle it. They can't handle it. And so Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. For such as you, I have brought my kingdom, which is the remedy for every pain, every lack, every sickness, every hurt, every Every despair on this earth, I'm here and I bring a new kingdom. And if you choose to trust me, you can be a citizen. You get citizenship. And it's his first invitation. And it's such a beautiful way for him to say it because that is the first inkling of salvation. The salvation message, the coming of the Messiah. He hasn't even said that That's him yet, right? He's just talking about the kingdom first and laying down this groundwork and saying, the poor in spirit have a place in me. And if they trust in me, they will never be poor in spirit again. And I think that's the important thing too, to remember. Once we have been made new in Christ, a new creation, you never need be poor in spirit again. This should be a one-time thing. However, we know that we live in a fallen world right? We're part of a kingdom, bigger than the kingdom we're around, but there are places within us where we recognize in humility that part of my spirit is poor. I don't have the fruit of the spirit in that area. And at that place, we have to be humble enough to recognize it and say, I need to give this space to the kingdom of God. If I lay down that piece of me, I know I'm, I know I'm saved, But there is a piece of me that is poor in spirit and has not yet recognized my new life in Christ in this area of my life. And it's the area you struggle in. It's the area that's hard for you. It's whatever that area is that day. You know what it is. You're feeling it right now. And you say, Lord, I am poor in spirit in here, and I need your kingdom in that part of me. And so you lay down those pieces, and sometimes this is part of the daily walk of a disciple, is when we discover, especially when we're under pressure, we discover new places we need this, where the poor in spirit in us is revealed, and we invite the kingdom. We give the kingdom all access into those spaces, but that is a choice. But if we do, then we have access to that kingdom. That's powerful. Over in Mark's gospel, Jesus put it this way. He said in Mark 2, 17, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And I think he's saying this kind of tongue-in-cheek here because there were people in his day who believed themselves to be righteous. They didn't need a savior because they did all, they fulfilled all the laws. They did all the commands. They were doing everything just as good as could possibly be. And Jesus, what he he reveals over the course of his ministry is that we are all those sinners. We are all those. We are all those poor in spirit. And we all need his healing. We need his refreshment to us. 
He hasn't come for perfect people or respectable people. He's come for the outcasts, the sick. Right, and, and, if, and if we think, oh, but yeah, I'm saved, redeemed, delivered. This does not apply to me anymore. Mm. This is exactly why Jesus addresses the church of Laodicea in Revelation the way that he does. He is talking to a church, the church. He's talking to a group of Christians and say, you think you have everything. You think you're rich. You don't know you're ragged and wretched. You don't know that you, you, you think you have power and riches, but you need my gold refined by fire. You need to put on my robes. You need salve for your eyes. And even to us, Jesus, from the beginning to the end, tells us, oh, how you need me. Never think that anything you do is happening because of you. Oh, how you need me. And may we always be in that humble posture to recognize that need. That's such a great point. Just that we, we always should be walking in that humility, that awareness, even even as a, as a person who has been saved and regenerated by Jesus, everything I have, everything I am is totally dependent on him. I, I, I am nothing without him. And that's a, that is not a bad place to remain for the rest of your life, that sort of humility and dependence on him. And that, and that rejoicing, that, that joy that we have, it's not walking around as, oh, I'm such a horrible thing, but it's a joy. Look, what he is. Look and what God and has look what done. God has done. And look, look what, what he's God doing. And totally dependent on him. Okay. I want to read the next thing he says. And this is... That the, was just the first just blessing. The first second one, though. This series is going to take forever. This feels especially relevant for us today. Uh, I'll try, try to do it without crying here. Verse 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn. What a picture of this loving, tender-hearted nature of Jesus. All right? He begins the, the preamble to this earth-shattering sermon, announcing the new kingdom. Right? He's annou- he, he doesn't come and announce it with swords and triumphal language. What is the first words he says? He acknowledges the poor in spirit, and those who mourn. These are the first words of his manifesto. Jesus is, is signaling here that he, this is a different kind of king that we're dealing with. This is unlike any leader, president, prime minister, king we have ever seen in our history. Jesus is signaling that this is a king who does not reward the powerful. He's on the side of the downtrodden. This is a king who hears the cry of the oppressed. This is a king who hears the cry and he sees the tears and the fears of those who feel like they have had the rug pulled out from under them. And if that's you this morning, I'm just telling you, he's on your side. Jesus is like, you're my people. You are my people. He offers comfort to those people who mourn. He offers comfort. Jesus is describing for us what it is like when heaven touches earth. Heaven has come to earth. The kingdom has come to a fallen and broken world. And, you know, commentators and scholars and and ministers, they describe the kingdom of God 
like they all they say things like the kingdom of god is already and not yet because we know the kingdom is the rule and reign of god but is god getting everything his way right now is everything happening exactly the way god originally conceived his world no because there's sickness here there's brokenness here there's death here this is a fallen world not god's fault it's a, it was our responsibility right instead of accepting the role of servants that had stewardship people wanted to have ownership and they wanted to be on the throne instead of God. And then look what happens. It's a broken world. And Jesus, every time Jesus meets brokenness and every time Jesus meets evil, he brings the kingdom. And so when Jesus is confronted with sickness, with hate, with injustice, with death, he brings healing and love and justice and life. And he brings and infiltrates the hurt with the love of the kingdom. And so when we, his people, are confronted with the pain and the hardship and the struggle, and we know it's real, mm -hmm. and we know it happens, Jesus said, let me touch you with the kingdom. I'm going to comfort you in those moments. You do not have to be eaten alive by despair. You do not have to be eaten alive by fear. I give you my presence. And in my presence, what's there? Oh, the fullness of joy. We're told joy comes. We're told that when we lay down these things that make us mourn and grieve us, that he gives us his peace. That in our weakness, he is our strength. And we can take comfort at the end of the day in the fact that as citizens of the kingdom of heaven, the king that we serve is a good and righteous king with all authority. And take comfort in his authority. And that, friends, is called faith. Yeah. That's what faith looks like. And the more you trust, the more you know him and trust him, the bigger of a difference and impact he has in your life and through your life. Such a great message, such a great message for us today. Right now, here we are in what is likely what the experts and those heroes at the CDC are telling us is we're probably in just chapter one of this pandemic. We probably haven't seen just the reality is, we probably haven't seen the worst of the economic impact. We probably haven't seen the worst of those who are going to get sick and dying in our midst. And so for some of us, there really is a, an, an angst, a kind of an angst inside of us. And it's a kind of a grief. It's a kind of a mourning, right? Because we're, we're mourning, we're grieving for what we've already lost and, and for what we know is probably still on the, the horizon for us what we still might lose. But even now, even now, what Jesus comes in here and he says, is he steps in and he says, the, his first words to you, I know, I know, I know you're in grief right now. I know you have your fears right now. And what Jesus says is actually, you are among the blessed ones. You are the blessed because I am on your side. 
I am here for you. The King of kings and Lord of lords is on your side. And he is making us a promise that he will be with us, that we will experience comfort. That's a powerful promise. Isn't that so Jesus? I mean, that is so Jesus-y of Jesus to say. He is so good. He challenges us when we get too comfortable. Boy, I know that. When I get too comfortable, he comes along and and challenges us, kind of gives us a little wake-up call. And then he comforts us, comforts us when we get too overwhelmed with the day's, overwhelmed with the day's challenges. He's so good. He's right there. Um, What we're going to discover about all of these beatitudes that Jesus is about to teach, keep this in mind. These are not a to-do list of ways to get blessed. This is not like, we see the word blessing, we're like, oh, blessing, okay, what do I need to do to get blessed? Mm -hmm. This is not a to-do list of things we need to do to get blessed. This is a message of hope to those who do not deserve to get blessed. This is a message of hope to those who never would have considered themselves among those who are blessed. He is talking to people who did not consider themselves the blessed ones. And so it's a message of hope and it's comfort to those who are distressed. And it's a challenge to those of us who are walking with Jesus, who have put our faith in Jesus. It's a challenge to us to live our lives as Jesus, with, with Jesus, not just as our Savior, not just, oh, he saved me, I'm, you know, I got out of hell. Right. But as I'm our all done. Lord, yeah. Not going to hell. Right, right. He's our Lord. He's our King, right? He's not just the attorney who got you off, off a death row. Now you serve Him. He is your Lord and your King. And so, because of that, we get to shine a little brighter and, in these dark times. And these Beatitudes, right? It starts with the Beatitudes. We have a tendency to go, oh, let's take this verse. Mm, all done. Nothing more to say about that. Yeah. Now let's take the next section of verses. It's all woven together. <laughs> you can't take things apart. And when you keep them together, they build on each other and things weave in and out. And it's so awesome. But look at this. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Mm-hmm. Meek means you've submitted your power. It's not weakness. It's submitted power to a higher authority. Blessed are those hunger and, hungry and thirsty for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those persecuted for my namesake. This is, this is inner transformation. Wow. This isn't the outside in. This is the inside out. Mm-hmm. This is how we be. This is in him we move. And in him we live, we have our being. Jesus is planting seeds of the kingdom that will produce fruit. And then the further he goes on, he describes examples of what that fruit looks like that all tie back into this. But it's about our heart, which is what the Lord has been after since the beginning. That's so good. Right now, I think now now would be a good point. We We want to talk about a few other things, but right now I think would be a great place to take communion together. And so if you have those elements at home, get those things together. You know, one of the ways that the church is being challenged right now, the whole world's being challenged, but one of the ways specifically the church is being challenged is in the fact that we cannot be physically together. And I gotta tell you, the, the very thing, you know, this is what we're doing. We're doing this out of love for, for the most vulnerable among us to, you know, to rescue the lives of, of those, ensure the survival of those who are vulnerable, our neighbors. But it's also the thing that hurts us the most is this social distancing. 
and I don't want to minimize this. I don't want to act like, oh, it's okay, you know, we've got online here, so, you know, we don't need to be together. It's just the same thing. It's really not. It's not. Being physically together is important. It is important, and, and I mourn this separation between us. I grieve this. Um, the scriptures speak of the body of Christ in three different ways. If you notice, the, the first way, of course, is the body that, the physical body of Christ, that he came, that he was born in, and that he was crucified in, and he rose from the dead. He was resurrected in that body. And then the second way that it speaks of the body of Christ is this communal, mystical body of Christ that you and I are, that we don't get to enjoy right now in person. We don't get to enjoy this. And so that makes it all the more poignant that we, we partake of the third form of the body of Christ that we see in Scripture in, that's mentioned, which is in the form of Holy Communion. Holy Communion. When Jesus is about to leave his disciples, he's about to be physically distant from them. He says, take and eat this bread and drink this cup, and it'll be as if I am right there with you right now. And so in the absence of the physical presence of of Christ, and in the absence of this communal mystical presence of the body of Christ where we get to be together, you and I get to lean even more, more deeply into this, the Eucharist, the Lord's Supper, whatever you want to call it. It's as a way to connect to the fact that the Spirit of God that unites all of us, the Spirit of God really is with you right there in your home. Amen. His presence. Let's see. Oh, is that mine? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians. The words of Paul in chapter 11, verse 23. Paul said, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. At the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We thank you, Father, for your presence right now among us. Thank you for your presence. Hallelujah. Let's take. As we eat and we drink, Lord, we are taking in your peace, your joy, your healing, your salvation salvation in Jesus name let's take the cup hallelujah hallelujah praise god praise god that was that was really special praise the lord we guys we are we are people of the kingdom we're going through this along with our fellow neighbor all over the world. We're all going through this together. But we are different. Listen, we are different. We are people of the kingdom. We are called to live counterculturally. 
not as people who are subservient to some the economic systems of the world. We're not at the mercy of the political systems and the economic systems of the world. We are citizens of a kingdom. And we are citizens of a kingdom that has not been thrown into turmoil by COVID-19, mm-hmm. right? I, I, I think right now the curtain is being pulled back for a lot of us. And it's good. It's a challenge to some of us. But the curtain's being pulled back on each of our lives and revealing which empire we actually belong to. Where does our loyalties lie? Who is our source? Which empire is your source? Is your source the empire or is your source the kingdom? Is your source the, the, the one that looked really powerful about three days ago and now looks really shaky because of this microscopic virus? Or is your source the kingdom? Are you citizens and ambassadors of a kingdom that is established by Jesus Christ that the gates of hell itself cannot come against? Is that your source? Is that who you belong to? And how we react is, is really, it will show other people, but it also is, is a good sign to ourselves. It's a good wake-up call to ourselves, who we belong to. Do we belong to the empire? Do we belong to the kingdom? Are we going to react with panic? Are we going to react with hoarding and violence and, and blame and selfish behavior? Or do we respond like kingdom people? Do we respond with love and other-centered generosity? Is that our motive behind everything we do? Listen, the, the, the way of Jesus is not just some intellectual set of do's and don'ts or some philosophical pursuit. The way of Jesus has always been about inner transformation. Let, that, let him transform you. Inner transformation, but it is an inner transformation that those around you can see in the form of a transformed lifestyle. We have a transformed lifestyle. We should be living by that. Amen. If, if we only knew the Beatitudes, right? Mm. The Messiah came and this is what he said, and it's these nine blessings. They would be really beautiful, lofty platitudes. Mm. But it's not the end of the... It, it's, not, it's not only not the end of Jesus' story, it's not the end of that sermon. <laughs> he was just getting started. Mm. And this book... These scriptures is the fullness of the gospel that was written down. But then so much more, we look at the life of Jesus on the other side of that mountain. He comes down that mountain. He continues preaching and teaching. He continues to heal. He gives his life. He is resurrected and redeemed. And then he teaches us that greater things even greater things you will do because I send my spirit to you. So on the other side of of that sermon, on the other side of that mountain, and with his life, we have truths that we know now. We have truths, and I'm going to read a couple of them to you. Mm. 2 Corinthians 5.20, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the, mis- the ministry of reconciliation. You have a ministry. It's your kingdom ministry. It's the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against him. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. Jesus is the king who chooses to partner with his people. 
Luke 22, 29, Jesus says, And I confer on you a kingdom, just as my Father conferred on me. And spoiler alert, it's not about being served. Mm -hmm. It's a kingdom where you serve. Mm -hmm. In Matthew 10, 7 through 8, Jesus said to his disciples, and you and I are his disciples, if you've given your life to Christ and you follow him, you're a disciple. Here's what disciples do. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Mm. Jesus has come. Heal the sick. Come on. Raise the dead. Yes. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Leprosy. <laughs> you think COVID-19 has anything on leprosy? <laughs> Heal those that have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. All the things I've given you, Jesus says, give those things away. And that is the cycle of the kingdom. That's how we plant the seeds of the kingdom in other people. Uh, Acts 1.8. But how do we do this? How do we do it? How do we do this, Scott? I'm going to raise the dead, <laughs> lay my hands on someone, and they're going to be healed. Acts 1.8, you will receive power. You will receive power. You don't have the power. No. This is the good news. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's us. We're the ends of the earth. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is in you. Jesus said that. He said it in Luke. The kingdom is within you. And we have to remember that. We have to remember the kingdom is in me. I am light and salt. That's who I get to be. In every word, in every deed, and, and, and Jesus is also concerned with every thought. Jesus is concerned with that. How do I bring more of the kingdom into everything I do and say? The unconditional love we've been shown in abundance, we get to show that to others without condition. We get to show love without condition. Oh, there's such freedom in that. Right. There's such freedom. And we don't have to muster up extra strength because I know you don't have extra strength. I don't have extra strength. I have no extra strength. My children are home all the time right now. <laughs> no, they're a blessing from the Lord. But there's not a lot of extra strength to go around, right? This is not about you being self-reliant. This is about you and I being spirit-led. You have the Holy Spirit. Lean into him. Listen to him. Take the time to be quiet and hear his voice. The spirit of the Lord is with you. And that spirit, the spirit that raised Christ from the dead and lives inside of you, is quite sufficient to bring down the principalities, powers, and the dark things of this world. And that spirit is in you. Don't suppress it. Don't ignore it. You lift that up inside of you. And I want to remind you of something else. We've been given um, a lot of weapons in our spiritual warfare. Because remember, being in the kingdom is not pointing our fist to God and saying, be a better king. He's the perfect king. Being the kingdom is about bringing the kingdom to those that need it and bringing it up against those that would not have it. Mm. And so we have weapons. We have a sword of the spirit. Use your sword. Bring the Spirit of God to the places that you go, to the conversations that you have. It is truth 
and it is life, and it cuts down the enemy. We're not cutting down people with the Spirit of God. We're cutting down principalities, powers, and the rulers of dark places. This is spiritual warfare. You cut down the darkness, right? And I was thinking the other day, you know what else a sword can do? Uh, When the queen, the queen takes a sword, and she gently taps someone, and she knights them. That's what we do with other people. We don't cut people with the word of God. We bring the beautiful truth that actually lifts them up into royalty, into a new level of royalty. It is a thing that, that lifts people and takes them to a new place. That's what love and grace do when we use it like that. And the shield of faith, which quenches every fiery dart of the enemy. There's a lot of fiery darts out there, people. Raise up that shield of faith. And what is that shield? You trusting in the authority of your king and the authority of the king of this kingdom over the kingdoms of this world. Your king has the power and the authority. And that trust changes your life and changes your perspective. Because you're a child of God. That's your identity. So when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, we get to pray that that happens through us by his spirit. That's so good. Would you, will you bow your heads with me? We want to pray with you at this time. Let's just pray together. Hallelujah. Father God, heavenly Lord, we thank you, Lord, for revealing your truth to us, not just through the printed page, but through the person of Jesus, through this life that he lived out in the open for us to witness. Help us, Lord, through your Holy Spirit to walk in his steps Help us to put our trust in you, Lord God. Let your love conquer all of our fears and all of our worries and our angst. Help us, Lord, not to love our lives so much that we lose this opportunity in this season, this opportunity that we have to to live our best life right now, the life of love and other-centered peace and radical other-centeredness. Lord, help us to really live out these words and hear these words of Jesus that he's speaking in Matthew, Father. Father, we pray. We pray on behalf of our neighbors. We stand in the gap, Lord, for our community and our world, Lord God. Save us. We ask you for salvation from this pandemic, Lord God. Turn it to your glory, Father God. May people come to you like never before. And know that you are God. You are the God who saves and you are the God who delivers. Not just, Lord, we don't just ask for healing so we can go back to comfortable lives, selfish lives. Lord, so that the world may know the name that is above every name. In Jesus' name. And Lord, we thank you that you are a healer. You are the healer. Lord, You were wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was placed upon you, and by your stripes, Mm. we are healed. Yes, Lord. Just like your kingdom has come, your healing has come, and you don't make your children beg for it. No, Lord Jesus. We get to receive it. And so right now, Lord, I just speak life, restoration, and healing over every person battling sickness, I thank you, Lord. They reach out their hands and they receive your healing touch. You have paid the price. You have, you said it is finished. And so we receive your healing power. And Lord, I thank you that you are the healer and deliverer. I'm going to speak specifically over Micah Jones. Micah Jones. 
in the name of Jesus. You are the healer of his body. And in the name of Jesus, I rebuke every cancerous cell in his body and say, go. In the name of Jesus, you cannot thrive. You cannot flourish. You cannot stay dry up and die in Jesus' name. And Lord, I thank you right now that as cancer is defeated, Lord, that shalom, peace fills every space in him, every muscle, every vessel of his body fills his blood. It just goes throughout him. And I thank you, God, that right now where he is, he is being transformed and made new by your power, by your authority, and to you be the glory. Bless you, Lord. And we also, God, we continue to pray for your strength and your grace for all of those. Lord, there's so many at home that, that, are, that are staying home out of respect for others and in the spirit of self-isolation to slow the spread of the virus. And so we thank you for strength and grace for those people. Lord, there are some people that are not at home because they work in health care. They work at, in hospitals. They're paramedics. They're firemen. Um, they're grocery, they work at grocery stores and, and gas stations and pharmacies and they're delivery drivers. And for all of those out, God, may you just pour out special grace, special strength, special energy and protection. God, from all that they're exposed to. And Lord, thank you finally, God, for your great provision. You are Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Lord, for those that are facing job cuts and job loss and job transition and all that comes with that, God, that we remember at all times you are our source, that you have all things and that you are for us and with us and that you are provider. And as we trust in you, we can, we can have peace that you are going to make a way. Even if it looks like right now today, there's not a way, I don't see it, but God, oh, how you show up. Oh, how you open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings. May we be ready to receive those because what are we doing first? We're going to seek your kingdom first. We're not going to worry about those things or fret about those things, but God, we're going to seek your kingdom and trust that you're going to take care of us because you are a God who loves us. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Before we go, I want to just remind all of you guys, check on those neighbors. Call your neighbors, call your friends, call those, all those faces that you would normally see this morning. Give them a call. If you're in a home life group, give, give your fellow home lifers a call. Check on people. Just make sure they're doing okay. If they need anything, do they need you to drop off a case of water on their porch or whatever it is. Uh, But let's, let's stay connected as much as we can, whether it's by phone or, you know, you get on Skype or whatever so you can see each other's faces. We're, we're discovering all kinds of new technologies, um, but stay connected. And also, uh, please, please uh, give your tithes and your offerings to the Lord. Give them to the church. The church is, we're, we haven't shut down. We're still uh, a light in this darkness of our community and, um, and all over the world, and there's, all over the world. Mi- there's, there's missions still going <laughs> missionaries on. Missionaries and ministries all over the world. That's right. That, that are looking for you to partner with them, to continue partnership so that they can do all that they've been called to do. And so let's just keep That's that right. river flowing. That's right. So give. If, if you're one of those people who, you know, this time, you're, maybe you're home, but, you know, you still have your job, you still have things are, are looking okay, 
then just be generous. Just be, be generous the way Jesus is generous uh, because we want to, our church is uh, looking to, to help those in our community, but especially here in our own church family uh, who are going to be going through some hard times over these next weeks and months. Um, and so your support will be so important during these times. Um, if you're online right now, you can just click over there on the give button on the website. If you're on your app, the G Church app, you can click give there. Um, so there's lots of different ways to do it. If you're not online at all, I don't know how you're watching this, but if, you're, <laughs> if, you, if you don't do any mobile banking or anything like that, uh, you know, you don't trust them interwebs, uh, you can always just write, write a check and drop it off. There's usually somebody here during the week at the church still, and, uh, or mail it in. Um, but and also don't forget if you have a need, if you have whether a need, it's a prayer right. need or it's like, I don't have the money to meet this, or I don't have bottled water, or I don't have yes. something. Also on the website, uh, go on the website and there's a place on that front home page where you can connect with us and we will, we will connect someone with you to That's meet right. that need because our goal isn't always that no one walks alone through this and we're going to help you and be in it together. No one walks alone. That's right. That's right. Amen. Amen. So all my brothers and sisters, let me give you a little benediction here. May you... Accept the call of Christ to step out of darkness, to step out of your spiritual poverty and into the kingdom of light. May you feel his comfort in the midst of your grief and in the midst of your mourning, in the midst of your fears. And may you shine your love, all that love and generosity that Jesus has poured into you. May you shine that on to your fellow neighbor this coming week. In Jesus' name, we can't come to church, so become the church. Grace and peace to you. Amen. Daniel, take us out of here with a song, man. Thank you, pastors, for that. Sing along with us here. You are here. You are here. Moving in our midst, we worship you, we worship you, and you are here, working in this place, we worship you, we worship you, sing that again, yes, you're here, yes, you are here. Moving in our midst, we worship you, we worship you, and you are here, you're working in this place, we worship you, we worship you. darkness, our God, that is who you are. You are way maker, miracle work, promise keeper, light in the darkness, our God, that is who you are. You are here, touching every heart. We were 
stop working you never stop you never stop working even if we don't see it you're working even if we don't feel it you're working you never stop you never stop working you never stop you never stop working and even if we don't see it you're working even if we don't feel it you're working you never stop never stop working you never stop you never stop working even if we don't see it you're working even if we don't feel it you're working you never stop you never stop working
against the spirit of fear. We speak against anxiety, depression, God. We just thank you that you're with us in this situation, God. Help us to just be in your presence. When we need it the most, help us to share that with others, God. Help us to reach out. for each one of you out there. Let's pray that you be blessed this week, okay? Be blessed. Thank you for listening. Be sure to visit gchurch.net for more information about this podcast and other resources.